Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and this week I'm joined by Patty Barkley, Tony Cascarino, and broadcasting from his usual undisclosed mystery location in Rippenden, it's Ollie Kay. Today we'll be reviewing the best of the FA Cup action, including Manchester United versus Arsenal and Stoke against West Ham. It's also a relegation special. My panel will predict who the Premier League will be saying goodbye to come May. Okay, FA Cup, talking points. Um, but before we get into that, I, I just want to get just a very quick whip round because I don't know if this happened last year. I'm getting old. I forget. But how absolutely rubbish is it that this weekend there were only four games of football to watch involving top-flight teams? No disrespect. I know there was a full program in the championship and so on, and it's wonderful. Um, and then, like, two weeks from now, it's an international break. And then it's pretty much balls to the wall for all of April until the end of the season. I mean, does anybody else find the Premier League scheduling this year somewhat baffling? Yeah. Patty? Yes, I do. I, I, I was amazed to discover that suddenly, from nowhere, that there were no Premier League games on Saturday. I mean, we, Did this we, happen before we, when you were a kid? Have, when I was a kid, no, no, no. You see, we, we didn't have things like the Champions League group stages in my day. Um, but uh, we did have the FA Cup, though. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, it, 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 it does seem pretty silly when just about every other day of the year has a Premier League <laughs> fixture that a Saturday at three o'clock passes without any um, when when there's no winter break um, I and, don't know and when we have I another mean, international break in two weeks yes uh, yes exactly I, I must admit um, you know you made a suggestion of, of sort of compartmentalizing the season concentrating an international season and I, I personally would like to concentrate the cup I'd like to have the third round on the Saturday the fourth round on the Wednesday the fifth round on the Saturday and so on um, I, I don't see why the cup can be done and dusted in, in three fantastically exciting in continuous weeks. So uh, I think it, it all argues to, you know, if, if we're going to have so many competitions and we're going to have such a, a lot of changing around, let's compartmentalize the season to make it more compartmentalized. Ollie, um, any good reason why there was no Premier League football this weekend? Well, tr tr traditionally, there's, there's no league football or top flight league football on third and fourth round weekend. I think. I think no football on fifth round weekend. I think that is a new um, a new development, presumably for the benefit of TV, because they want um, 
all eyes to be on the televised games on a, on a, on a Saturday and Sunday. And I have to say, if you look at the amount of games that are left to be played um, over the coming weeks, it is, I mean, it's, it's absurd. I don't think it works for any anybody in any competition. It's, it's like, at the moment... Nobody, you know, nobody is benefiting, benefiting from it. Except if Arsenal had forced a draw at Old Trafford, what a great result that would have been because Arsenal are out of the Champions League and uh, it would have tipped the balance in their favour in the, in, the, in the Barclays Premier League. This provides a neat segue for me is to, to, for us to talk, into, talk about the, the United-Arsenal game. Now, when I saw this lineup that, that Fergie put out, um, yeah. you know, for, for those keeping score at home, it's, 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 it's Wes Brown who uh, I was reliably informed, you know, was going to become the, the janitor at, at Old Trafford until they kind of realized that they needed him again. That's why he doesn't play for four months and then they chuck him in there. Yeah. Um, a, Wes Brown and Smalling at the back. Mm. Um but then there's this absurd midfield with, yeah. with Rafael and Fabio uh, out wide and, and John O'Shea, the holding midfielder, Darren Gibson to add, I guess, mm-hmm. the quality and the creativity. Um, that was a joke. Uh, but then it wins. But, 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 but then they go ahead and, and win. I'm almost wondering, is, is this the kind of lineup that Fergie put, up, put out to show how, we, show how weak his squad mm-hmm. was, that he wouldn't have cared if they, fell out, if, if they went out of the competition? And it kind of put him in a win-win situation, because if you win, you go through. If you go out, you, you, know, you might get some media stake for disrespecting the cup, mm-hmm. but hey, that's nothing like the media stake you get for not actually talking to the media. And then he would have everybody fresh and ready to go for, for the mm-hmm. Champions League and for for the title running well I think before the game everyone would have felt seeing the lineups that Arsenal had a glorious opportunity of knocking United out of the FA Cup Old Trafford mm. which is never you know it's always a difficult feat but I do think that in psych- the psyche of Sir Alex Ferguson is that he knows how to beat Arsenal and it doesn't have to be with his best team. He sets his team up in a certain manner. They stop Arsenal doing the things they like to do, you know, under under lots and lots of pressure, and they will fold. Um, Arsenal had a huge amount of possession, looked the better team, and well, created just as many chances, yes. and yet you First would... 10 minutes, you know. Uh, they were going through Wes Brown as if he wasn't yeah. there. You thought this is going to be embarrassing. This is a nil four. That's what it looked. But as the game wore on, like we always get, and this is the feeling on the terraces now at the Emirates, where the fans are totally not buying into this way of Arsenal uh, approaching games. We'll get to Arsenal and the Arsenal approach. But uh, Ollie, you were there on the ground. Is my theory just totally insane and wrong and out of left field that that Fergie put this lineup up because he really wasn't bothered either way? I mean, if you look at two weeks previous, Skulls played three games in eight days, and as it happened, seemed to have run out of, ste- out of steam by half-time in the second game, having played very well for the first half. And um, I think that has probably told Ferguson, that, um, or reminded Ferguson, of the difficulties in, in getting Skulls through a, a certain amount of games in a, in a short time. And I think that is probably why we had the... the the, the team we saw on um, on Saturday, and, and you have to say it, it worked um, extremely well because although they were outpassed and outplayed for long periods, they um, they, they were far more efficient, as Fanger said, through gritted teeth. Cass three trophies up in smoke in 13 mm. days for Arsenal. It's the age-old debate. Mm. Um, is it down to Wenger's dogmatic nature and believing the way he plays? Is it down to the lack of an English centre half, or um, is, it, is it? Is it? Are they just too soft and and, and femme? Um, there's a stubbornness that comes with Arsene Wenger that 
even at all costs, he will not change uh, or adapt to situations and the way that teams are, are playing against his side. He seemingly thinks it's all about what Arsenal do. And in football, it's not. Sometimes you have to stop what the opposition do or try to, you know, give them... It's, it can be a chess match. You have to outwit managers. He's not doing that. I look at the Arsenal back line. I don't... One of the... Look, I played against... Adams, Keown, all them, Winterburn, Dixon. I play. They intimidated you. They didn't make it easy for you. Like Vidic doesn't make it easy for you when you play against him. He'll push you. And look, look at the reaction of Smalling playing alongside Vidic. He's now reacting like Vidic. I look at the Arsenal back four and I think, do you know what? What an easy back four to play against. You'd be absolutely loving it. Even if you weren't the most gifted player, you just love it because they never intimidate. I don't mean by kicking you off the park. I mean by pressurising you, making it difficult. And that is Arsenal's biggest failing is that they they the bullying word that people think Man United it's not as strong as bullying I, I will follow up on that because I'm Mr. Contrarian Christopher Hitchens is my god um Who's intimidate, who intimidates you in that sense, in the physical mean? intimidation sense, in Barcelona? Is it that big, scary well, Daniel Alves? No, but, oh, c- oh come no, on, here Gab. comes Iniesta. Gab, you can intimidate via pressure. Arsenal, uh, when Barcelona played Arsenal, they intimidated by being in their face and being on top of every pass, it's every like move. It's away a fly. You don't, you don't, yeah, but you, you don't have to kick people to intimidate. You just pressurise them. You make it difficult for them. Arsenal don't make it difficult for the opposition at all. Ollie, is it, is it really that easy to, to play against Arsenal because they don't make it difficult for you? And Well, if you look at Arsenal's record in, in the league in, in recent weeks, so that they've conceded very few goals. I mean, people are, I think people, have, including Wenger, have convinced themselves that Giroud and Koscielny was some fantastic partnership that has, uh, that has come together and um, was the answer to all their prayers and Chesney behind them. But I have to say, I, I mean... I know Koscielny and Juru got an awful lot of praise for the, um, their performance over the two games against Barcelona. And let's be honest, they were playing against some of the best players in the world. But the number of times that um, Barcelona got through that defence like a knife through butter, um, I would have thought was a, was a worry to, um, should be a worry to Arsenal and, and a worry for, for the next few weeks. Because if you look at Manchester United's first choice central defenders, or, or even even their backup central defenders, because obviously Vermaelen has been out all season for Arsenal. If you look at Chelsea's, that wouldn't have happened with with with, um, with United and Chelsea. I, yes, I think um, Barcelona would beat United or Chelsea over two legs, but I, I don't think they would beat them mm. in the same manner, mm. and a manner that, for all the talk of um, injustice, I think it was a, mm. it was far more comprehensive than an aggregate of four three um, mm. suggested. Between '96 and 2005, you know, Arsene Wenger won four FA Cups. Mm-hmm. He won, he he won three league titles. Um, you know, he put out a team, both the double winners in '98 and the Invincibles, yes. that that was very successful and, and got very good results. Yeah. What I want to talk to you did, is Wenger, uh, in his as as he gets older, has he become less pragmatic, or has he yes. always been this no, way, but the yeah, game around him has changed? Without doubt, he's become uh, less pragmatic. I mean, I do think he has he's become an excessively purist, and instead of actually defining Wengerism, he's trying to replicate Barcelona. Um, I... I, I I think well, it's obvious to anybody listening that I'm with, I'm, I'm with Patty mm. on this one, and I... And I Maybe I'm wrong on this, but I worry when teams who are built to create chances fail to create chances, mm. not when they fail to score, because you know, football's a low-scoring game. Yes. There are some things which are out of your, out of your control. Mm. 
and I, and I just wonder though, I, a point that's rarely made is. Over the last five years, we can debate whether the Premier League has gotten better or tougher versus yeah. before, but I think it's undoubted that if you look at the managers that um, he has come up against in the last five years, mm-hmm. you're talking about you know, Mourinho, you're talking about Rafa Benitez, you're talking about Sir Alex Ferguson, mm-hmm. of course, who was there before as well. Yes. Um, you're talking about Ancelotti. These are all guys who've won multiple yeah. European trophies. In the period before that, in the sort of the, the, the first Wenger era, with all due respect, take Fergie out of it, mm. and it was Gerard Houllier, it was um, John Gregory, yeah. it was Big Sam. It was you know it was it was Claudio Ranieri. Mm. It was it was it was, Steve it was Big Sam. Steve McLaren. Steve McLaren. I mean, it was it was a slightly different. You know, he's he's basically up against some of some of these people I mentioned before will be yeah. mentioned as the greatest managers in the history of the game. I, I think most people would feel that Ferguson and Mourinho are already there, and you know, Ancelotti and Benitez can be too far behind that. Is that also part of the reason why he hasn't won as much? I mean, I, Gab, there's a real yeah. point in in sports, in any sport you look at. If you're successful, people will study you. Watch you, see how your teams do, watch your training, and they clone from you. And there's been people who have learned what the way Wenger did his managing style 10, 15 years ago yeah. that are coming up now and are working like Wenger did. People used to go and watch Ajax. Mm. And I, my, my coach, Laszlo Bologna, I know you know from mm. your days, he used to go over to Holland and watch them, yep. watch them train. He'd speak to the guys that worked there. Why were you successful? They want to know everything about this success. That's what Tony Mulberry did with Middlesbrough, didn't he? Now, I know Tony's gone down there, but what I'm trying to say is people follow what you did and then they understand how you got successful and now Fergie is always evolved and become a bigger stronger manager now I wouldn't argue that Wenger has evolved like Fergie has as a manager Paddy do you you buy this the the, the Wenger becomes static and Fergie evolves into human being and Wenger still homo erectus Wenger himself uh, it was very interesting he was asked about Ferguson and and used the word innovative which I I think was uh, put put his finger on it Uh, Ferguson is a radical and, and, and Wenger in a way is conservative now we uh, we have to move on now, so that which is good news for Paul Scholes because uh, we won't hear uh, the impassioned defense of Scholesy not being able to tackle, which I'm sure is what Patty was going to say. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> I move on to Stoke and West Ham um, now. I think it's a it's, it's a tremendous achievement for for Stoke to get to the to get to the semi Wembley semi final where where it's going to be an all sort of northern. Can we call Stoke a northern team well, yeah, relative to where most, we are? They're northern. Yeah, most southerly team in left in the FA Cup, I think. Which makes them the softest team as well, right? Exactly, they're southern um, softies. <laughs> I, yeah, a couple things about this because we talked about how uh, uh, Tony Pulis has um, is, is, he's added a bit of a, a slightly different dimension with Pennant and Edrington. Mm. Um, although, of course. The oldies, but goodies still work. Uh, that first goal, yep. the lap throw in, yep. Hooth, yep. Um, and it's a usual argument: difficult to defend, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've I've got no problem problem with the long throw. 
Uh, I find it quite exciting. Um, it's like a lot of unjustifiable things, like penalty shootouts. They're actually better than football. And I think the long throw also comes into that category. However, I find it... Uh, I, I mean, I probably banged on about this before, that towel business. Allowing them to use that those towels, I, in my opinion, is absolutely ridiculous. Are, are we going to be allowed to take on a pile of sand to mount the ball before taking a penalty? I mean, it, it, is, it is just not football, and it should be stopped forthwith. Having said that... Yep, no problem with the style. The the the, the wingers. Uh, Etherington to me is one of the 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 the, the twenty best sites of the Premier League. Ollie, uh, sorry, there was there was me miming Etherington accused by some of tumbling and helping the referee making a, make a decision well, sometimes. I think but, referees need all but, the help they can get. Speaking of referees with help, I really wanted to have a referee-free podcast this week. We, we have done, but until now, because Ollie, I just want to get your take on this. Um, Mike Jones, in, in this game, I think three controversial decisions. I mean, you call them controversial, just by three wrong decisions. Um, and what was kind of creepy about this, you know, Piquion handles the ball for, for West Ham's goal. I think it's obvious. Some suggestion um, that, that Jones was simply unsighted, couldn't see it. That's fine. But then in the second half, there's two big decisions that go against West Ham, and it's it's Walters basically dumping Tompkins on his head, and the um, Scotty Parker on, on Matthew Etherington tackle, which just so incensed Parker, and then Etherington, of course, missed the penalty. I really don't, it, what, what makes me really uneasy about this is you get the sense that he blew a decision in the first half, and then somebody told him at halftime, "Hey, you got it wrong," and that he made up for it in the second half. Should I be banished to hell just for even suggesting that? Mm, not for suggesting that. Maybe for other things. There's um, there, no. There's um, I, well, my my reaction watching it was that well, it almost um, evened out from from the first half. But I mean, you, that, that really should not be in a referee's mind. I would like to think it isn't. And uh, I I, um, I always like to give referees the benefit of the doubt. I, I, I don't think there's any of the bias that various managers suggest, I don't think there's any of the unfairness um, that various managers suggest, but they're human and, and maybe at times they um, subconsciously think, well or, you know, maybe they think, well I'm not sure about that one but I know I robbed them in the first half so, so maybe I have to, um, to, to, to go that way, I mean it, it shouldn't be the way they think, it really shouldn't but um, it's um, it would be human nature, I guess. But but these guys aren't meant to be human, are they? Uh, no, they're certainly not. Um, uh, Cass, you've played football at a higher level than the rest of us. Um, is this is, is this something that you experience? Is this something that happens? Especially, is this something that maybe happens more today that a referee knows he's blown a call, knows he's made he's made yeah. a mistake, and then makes up for it in the second half? And is this a good thing because ultimately things even themselves out, as some people say? Um, well, it's always happened. Intimidation. I mean, managers have done it. I don't mean intimidation. I'm talking about no, you no. get something wrong, you know for a fact you got it wrong, maybe because somebody tells you at halftime who's seen it on television, and you say, ooh, I have to fix this in the second half. Yeah, you certainly get the feeling that some referees will take that. They will, they will, if you're going down the tunnel half time and people are verbaling you and shouting, you know, and it's basically pressurizing you about a decision you, they feel you got wrong. But you know, you did get wrong. Uh, yeah, you, you did got it get wrong. wrong, and you find out you've made it wrong. Of course. I and mean, then you fix it in the second half. Is that well, okay? I don't say, of course, not all of them, but there are definitely cases where I've seen referees absolutely being convinced that they got a decision wrong and they want to make up for it. 
I really believe that. And, and played in games where referees have totally given us a decision where they know they've got something wrong earlier. And from a utilitarian standpoint, is this okay because things even themselves out? Well, or is it something that we should just be mature enough and say, look, referee, you made a mistake in good faith. Please call the next one as you see yeah. it and not get, don't give a makeup call. Well, it's, of course it's not all right, but... As life, as we find out more often than not, these things do happen and will continue to happen because people have seeds in their head that they can't get out and they think they need to make a wrong into a right. They will do it. Not every, Some great referees have been absolutely affected by decisions they made earlier in the game that they've, they've then adjusted to the opposition. Well, we will wrap up our little FA Cup segment by... Uh by some predictions and I'm going to start with Stoke and Bolton uh, Cass Bolton 2-1 Ollie um, Stoke Paddy Bolton City United Cass City Ollie um, United Paddy City we're going to take a closer look now at relegation. It's quite remarkable, but there's four points separating 11th uh, from 18th place in the Premier League. And in fact, Liverpool, who are, who are sixth, um, they're as close to the relegation zone as they are to mighty Manchester City in third place. Um, so I think looking forward, there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of twists and turns. I don't think it's personally, it's at all stuck on that Wigan Wolves and West Ham, the three W's, are going down uh, or West Brom, as some people um, have opined. Uh, but I want to have a quick whip round, and I think the format for this is basically going to be uh, we're going to go one by one, and you're going to give me a reason why the team will stay up, i.e. what is the team's strength, and a reason why the team could go down. If you don't think the team's going to go down, please just give me a reason why the team could go down, because unless you're some you're, you're, you're kind of seer you can life is full of what ifs some awesome like what if ai could fold your laundry and some well less awesome like what if you have unexpected medical costs united healthcare can help get you covered with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. can't say for 100% who's going to go down. So we're going to start with, with you, Patty, and a oh, team you admired. Um, Fulham, 35 points. Uh, play 29. 
looks reasonably safe to me. But hey, give me a reason why Fulham will stay up. Uh, quality of player. Uh, I think they've uh, they've they've got a good spine of top class, uh, experienced players. Starting with Schwarzer in goal, carrying on through Breda Hangeland, plus the experience of Danny Murphy and the trump card, Bobby Zamora back. Class all through the spine of the team. Managed to praise him without even mentioning old Sparky. Uh, Cass, a reason why Fulham could go down? Only injuries. If they had a big batch of injuries, can't see anything else keeping uh, Fulham. They'd be safe for me. Ollie, Stoke City, 34 points from 29 games. Give me a reason they're going to stay up. Uh, their, their home record, which is fantastic. I'm just looking. They've, they've won as many home records as uh, as many home games as Spurs, and they've, they've won more home games than most teams in the division. Uh, they don't win many away, but they don't have to with, with that crowd and with obviously the, um, the their strength on set plays. Paddy, Stoke City, give me a reason why they're could go down well only in my dreams uh, the <laughs> FA suddenly banned towels uh, Rory Delap can't get the ball into the box anymore and whoop, down they go I suspect some hate mail's on its way um, <laughs> it's you and your mate Gerard Houllier uh, Aston Villa 33 points 29 games your old club give me a reason why they're staying up I think they've certainly got Ashley Young uh, lots of lots of pace in the team I think there's uh, an element of the you know all Brighton coming in doing really well off the flank I like him Stuart Downing I think he's a really really talented guy Stuart Downing fabulous left foot I think they're strong enough I don't think they're great at the back but the back line for me with Friedel behind them even though Don, uh, Dunn and Collins seem to be getting themselves in a few issues off the part I think Villa got way too much quality Ollie, it's up to you to give me a reason why Villa are going down. Well, and you can't got... just say Gerard Houllier. No, I certainly wouldn't say that. I, I, I would say that they've only got two points um, more than West Ham at the moment. Only, I mean, it's, it's so incredibly tight down there. And they do have, I mean, they are still um, in a bit of a rut mentally, psychologically. There have been so many sort of stories about issues coming out of there. I mean, they, they look to have enough quality. They look to have far much quality to even be in the bottom half. But um, you never know. They could get sucked in if, if they don't um, unite as a group. Unity as a group. Uh, Paddy, uh, your, your fellow Scott, mm-hmm. Steve Keen. Yep. I, can't, I shouldn't say fellow Scott because half these guys are Scottish anyway. So, But anyway, you, your buddy Steve Keen at, at Rovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me why they're going to stay up and uh, the Venkies Kintaro partnership will lead Rovers to glory. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's I mean, I, I say this without a great deal of conviction, uh, but there's good character. There's good uh, team ethic there. Um, and Ryan Nelson is a is a player for whom I've got great respect as a character. Samba, likewise. Robinson in goal, maybe not the good, best goalkeeper in the country, but uh, a lot of experience there. So I think they might just, but it'll be very close. Cast, you know the drill. This one should, uh, yeah. look at judging from your smile, you probably reckon this one's going to be easy. Tell me my Rovers are going down. Yeah, and these are my team that I really think could go down. I mean, uh, Paddy just touched on the two boys centre half Nelson and Samba, big strong boys, and tell you what, they half concede a lot of goals away from home. Their defensive record is awful. Um, I don't think that they're a side that create too many chances. Um, goal scorer, 
I mean, can Jason Roberts is in and out of the team. I don't really think anybody there are going to think, oh, we could get him half a dozen goals. You don't like Kalinic? What's your bias against no, tall centre forwards? No, I, I just don't think... I, I think if any team could really suffer, I think it's Blackburn, because I just think there's not a lot of goals there, and I think away from home they're going to get beaten up a lot, a lot of times. And, and, and totally... I mean, I've seen them concede some unbelievably bad goals. You know, with just pace. Pace alone has really hurt the Blackburn back four. Uh, players have got away and got goals against them. Ollie, West Bromwich Albion. Uh, please, 32 points, 29 games. Tell me why they're staying up. Well, I just thought there was something in their last performance, the, 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 the win at, um, at Birmingham, which showed a side of West Brom that I hadn't seen before. Um, certainly not since they, they they stayed up back in 2005. They just showed a bit more uh, metal, a bit more um, belief, really, but a bit more strength on the ball, strength when they didn't have the ball. And I, I think they're one of those teams that you have to have a big question mark against. But um, they do seem, under Roy Hodgson, to have um, developed something quickly in terms of a, a bit of a fighting spirit which they didn't have before I do, of course I did this on purpose to make you uncomfortable but continuing our rotation Patty tell me why West Bromwich Albion could go down under your buddy Roy Hodgson yeah def- uh, persistent defensive uh, uh, frailty I mean let's face it, uh, it it's it was the case under each of the previous managers uh, they would give away really silly goals and when you're getting to that really squeaky bum time what you don't want to be giving away is silly goals and I just think there are too many silly goals left in West Brom despite the obvious improvement uh, caused by uh, the organisational abilities of Roy Hodgson Cass you get your tangerine dream Blackpool Ollie why are they staying up because um, they will win the odd match and even though they're in high scoring games all the time getting Charlie Adam back because he's been under suspension um, I just think they'll win football games because they've got such an adventurous style there'll be lots of heavy defeats and lots of conceding but I do think they're far more likely to get three points than one point in a game and that for me could keep them up Ollie put Ollie put the boot into Ollie well I, I don't like to because I think they and, and he and Blackpool have, have just been the Absolutely. Nobody wants I would them to love, go down. I would, lo- I would love them more than any of the others to stay up. Okay, but Dow, tell me but why they could go down. They're still only one point clear of the relegation zone after this incredible season they've had. They should be, you know, they they will be looking at it, thinking, you know, what do we need? What, what more can we give to, to, to get ourselves safe? And I just fear for them that that they're inexperienced at this level, that their slightly cavalier style might. Um, might be uh, something that lets them down towards the end of the season. I mean, they've, they've got more games to play. They've got a lot of home games to play, actually. Um, but um, I just fear for them. Birmingham City, tough cup runs, 31 points, 28 games. Uh, although that game, they do so they do have the game in hand, although that is Chelsea away. Um, Patty, stick up for your fellow Scott. Yes, I think uh, Birmingham City have got... I mean, when we the one thing as we go through all these candidates is there's not a bad side in the division. There is not a bad team. There is not a bad manager in the Barclays Premier League. So th- mm. somebody is going to be perceived to have failed. And in my opinion, no club has failed this season. 
Birmingham City are an obvious case. They're in serious relegation danger and they've already uh, this season won more trophies than all the other clubs put together. So, I mean, they, they, it's, it's a sign of the quality. And I think that Birmingham, what they have is good experience. They have players playing the best football of their lives, in my opinion, in Boya, in Carr, and that's testament to good team spirit. Johnson, of course, has had so many plaudits, but he's still playing well. And, of course possibly slightly undersung hero Barry Ferguson. So, I mean, there's just far too much, not necessarily quality, uh, but character and experience for them to go down. Cass, the awful home truth about why Birmingham City could go down. Um, well, they've basically gone for pretty much the same 11 more often than not more than any other team, especially last year as well. I can only reason I think a Birmingham could go is maybe the the squad and having to play the same players on such a regular play, uh, basis that maybe they might run out of legs. May, may do, uh, but I would serious doubts. I think that you know, I think it will take a lot for Birmingham to go down. Ollie, in 1966, West Ham won the World Cup, so surely they're not going to go down this year. They have 31 points from 29 games. Tell me why they could stay up. Because they, they, they finally look to have um, got their fit. Well, some of their summer signings fit, like uh, Obina and um, and Hitzelsberger, who, who have who have made a really good impact. Scott Parker is, uh, has been fantastic, one of the players of the season. Carlton Cole has finally got his form um, in, in the right order. And I thought, even in defeat yesterday, um, they showed an awful lot more character than they had been. Um, Early this early this season, if you think back to that game at Newcastle um, around the turn of the year, they were just abysmal uh, after after going um, a goal down. And I, I think that their response yesterday suggested that there is a lot more character and a lot more belief and purpose about West Ham than than there was a couple of months ago. Paddy. Uh, West. The, uh, this is the only way West Ham can go down. Scott Parker, for whom I may well vote as Football Writers Association Footballer of the Year uh, this year, um, gets a boat, um, takes out um, Matthew Upson, Robert Green, Carlton Cole, and a few of the other players. And they get lost and shipwrecked. Actually, you know, sorry, if I jump in there and I have to do this, but I know a lot of West Ham fans who would actually suggest that if he took Upson and Green and sent them out to sea, that they would actually be a much better side. But uh, as long as Parker stayed, of course. But interesting, you, 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 you're picking up those two guys. And they get shipwrecked on an island, and they, they're, it's unable to effect a rescue before the end of the season. Uh, I think if West Ham could then, in those circumstances, go down. There you go. The West Ham defo staying up. Uh, Cass, Wolverhampton Wanderers, 29 points, 29 games. Mm. Why um, are they staying up? Well, their team... And you get a bonus point if you put Mr. Jarvis in your answer. Yeah, OK. Well, first of all, their, their team ethic is second to none. They work exceptionally hard. I think uh, Doyle will get more goals than he has in the first part of the season. I think he's been brilliant for them, uh, but needs to score more. I think Jarvis supplying the crosses and the, the width. I mean, he's got a lot, a lot of pace about him. I look at... You know, people like Fletcher coming off the bank, uh, the the bench, and then Sylvan Blakes. They look like they can get goals when they need to be a more adventurous in their style. I think Wolves have got 29 points, but I could easily add five or six points on top of them, where I think that they will make up for in the the second part of the season. Ollie, is it going to be? Tell me why it's going to be a sad summer for Barnsley Mick. Um, well, if you look at the 
they're they're running. Their um, their away games in particular look tricky. Sunderland, Birmingham, uh, Stoke, Newcastle, Villa. They're not necessarily the places where you'd expect to go and and pick up three points. They are a team that draw a lot of games um, and I think although they're a stronger team um, than they were last season when they stayed up um, I think as, as Paddy alluded to earlier the, the, the competition um, at the bottom is so intense that uh, you know, th- there isn't a bad team in the division there isn't a sort of Portsmouth-Burnley-Hull situation where you could see them going um, a mile off and um, at least one, two, three good teams are, are actually going to get relegated and Wolves are going to be among them if they don't get their act together soon. Patty, Wigan Athletic, and Dave Whelan, um, we, we praise them sometimes for the way they play. Um, tell me why they're staying up. They've had a bit of practice, uh, and that does help. Um, I also think that uh, they've got uh, a young player in McCarthy who's in form, uh, who's, in my opinion, scored the goal of the season this year, the individual goal of the season. Piece of magic against some opponents who have who escaped me. But uh, do I need to send Wayne Rooney round to your house? In my opinion, I preferred. I got more of a thrill out of the McCarthy goal than even the Rooney one, which is saying something. I think they've just enough to scrape, perhaps on goal difference, out of trouble. Cass, hmm. easy enough for you. Why are Wigan done and dusted? Um, well, they would be my biggest certainties, not because they're bottom of the league. I just think there's sometimes... I mean, the Wigan pitch is not the greatest and they've struggled to play really good football. They are, uh, you know, the side do like to get down and play, especially from the back. And that has crucified them at times, overplaying in really dangerous areas. Um, I I don't see lots of goals in Wigan. I just see two players, Roddy Elga and Enzo who can get them goals maybe James McCarthy who's a very good player but I don't see many many goals in there I think Wigan are the biggest certainties alright there you have it now we will have our final whip round where you will nominate your three teams just to provide you a little bit of context you all have uh, um, the, the little mini sort of bottom 10 Premier League table here's something to continue to consider in 2007 you were guaranteed safety with 39 points. In 2008, you were guaranteed safety with 37 points. In 2009, it was 35 points. And in 2010, i.e. last season, it was just 31 points. Now, obviously, I think we can assume that this Hmm. season will be closer to 2007, um, given the way it's so tight at the bottom. So please bear that in mind when when making your selection. I will go with Ollie last, since he'll be doing some umming, no doubt, when we when we turn to him and I will begin with you Paddy who's going down uh, well uh, a Lancastrian treble of Blackburn Rovers Blackpool and Wigan Athletic interesting Cass uh, Wigan West Brom and Blackburn ooh that's two votes for Blackburn don't think Venkies will be happy with you guys uh, Ollie um, Wigan, Blackpool, and West Brom. Wow, this is really interesting because while everybody agrees that Wigan are going down, we have two votes apiece for uh, West Brom and and Blackburn. There you have it. It's March 14th, and these are the bold predictions. Feel free to email us and mock the, and mock everybody for having the courage to come out and state their opinion two months before the end of the season. 
All right, time now for some quick hits. Patty, four English clubs played in Europe last week. Three of them lost, and Spurs were held to a scoreless draw uh, at home, playing a brutal but effective form of Catinaccio in the uh, 9-0-1 formation. Please reassure me that the Premier League is still the best and brightest thing around. Uh, I wish I could, Gab, but uh, I think this is going to be a very, very interesting week. If both Manchester City and Liverpool get knocked out, our perception of the depth, the strength in depth vis-à-vis the Spanish League, which we agree has been become almost a two-horse race despite Valencia's Ville's uh, draw with Barcelona. I don't know. I wish you'd asked me at the end of the week instead of the beginning. And United, too, could be slightly tricky. Ah, the FA Youth Cup. Youngsters playing for the sheer love of the game. Except it didn't quite work out that way when United played Liverpool on Sunday. United came from two goals down to win 3-2, but four players were sent off, including, bizarrely, Manchester United striker Paul Pogba, who got a second yellow for uh, a supposedly exaggerated and run-up and taking a penalty, which the referee, a man named Coot, I might add, uh, found to be taunting. Also, six hands were arrested, and there were chants about Hillsborough, and Heisel. Um, Ali, are you more surprised by all this or depressed by all this? Um, well, I did actually watch it on TV and I, I, th- I thought it was an absolutely compelling, brilliant game. I mean, it was uh, there was really good quality on both teams. I think Ravel, Ravel Morrison, um, the United tearaway, will um, probably uh, attract the most headlines for, for, two, for his two goals. But the, 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 the atmosphere on the pitch and off the pitch... Um, was a problem and, and people who were there were telling me about the, the chance and I, I just find that depressing that anyone would go along to um, a youth cup game and talk and, and chant about Hillsborough and, and, and Heysel it's I mean yes it happens with um, you know it happens at first team games all, all the time with various disasters but but uh, a youth cup game you would like to think that with so many kids in the crowd it would be different just for my benefit, not for broadcast. Did the pog was the Pogba thing as stupid as Tony Evans described it to me? Um, I didn't realize it was a, bo- uh, a bookable offense. Um, but he did book him for taking the run up in a funny way. Yeah. That, that, but that was his second. As you say, that was his second yellow. There was a, there was a belief at the time that um, yeah, I think he'd got sneaky booking in the first half, and not many people realized it. And the people thought he'd been booked for that and then booked for his dissent in arguing that he shouldn't have to take it again which um, would have been rather harder to tolerate but if it's a book of offence it's a book of offence Bolton Wanderers are through to the FA Cup semi-final uh, where they'll take on Stoke Cass we've been praising Owen Coyle all season long um, in your opinion what if anything makes him special well I think the way that Bolton played a few years ago and sometimes criticised for their style of play very entertaining got goals Elmander's come on leaps and bounds uh, Kevin Davis continually having the vision to bring in Sturridge I think I look at them and I think they're a far more accomplished side and entertaining and uh, for me he's done a hell of a job who will he be managing in three years time Will he be managing Bowen? No, who, who will he be managing in three years time uh, I have no idea Gab it will be Take a bigger a club than Bolton Gab, anyway, now one for you now. Is it true that you got up early to watch the A-League final between Central Coast Mariners and Brisbane Roar? And by the way, that's not the noise, the sound the, sound the crowd make at Leighton Orient on Sunday morning. And if so, was it any good? 
was certainly very, very exciting. Um, I, you know, packed stadium, 50,000 people, very noisy Australian fans. Uh, it was early morning, so everything seems a little bit surreal at that hour, especially after a late night out the night before. Um, but it was extremely exciting. The game, it was nil-nil. Um, the game goes into extra time, and, and Central Coast score twice. Uh, they go 2-0 up, and you figure it's all over. There's no way uh, Brisbane are getting back into this. And then three minutes from time, Brisbane pull one back, and then they pull another one back, and and basically at the last second finishes 2-2 penalty kicks and, and Brisbane were one it's disappointing for Central Coast but Brisbane apparently went something like 28 games undefeated this season good advert for Aussie football that's all we've got time for this week but remember you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk for all your news your gossip your analysis and also our web chats mine is normally on Mondays but hey guess what I'm not doing one this week uh, Patty yours is on on Tuesdays on Tuesdays lucky boy But don't worry, we'll be back next week. Till then, au revoir.